0: Hey guys, welcome back to another week of Autastic, your Comedian's Guide to Autism. I'm one of your hosts, my name is Kirk Smith, and uh, I love doing this podcast. Uh, this is your Comedian's Guide to Autism. Normally we have two hosts. Uh, my co-host is named Graham K., a very funny comic. He is out on the road. He's having a just got a lot going on this week, and uh, he's tied up. Tied up. So you're stuck with me. You're stuck with me. Uh, this is uh, just a podcast that we... Uh, both have loved ones with autism and just uh, our take on it uh, i have a severely autistic 22 year old son named jj jacob who uh, i love very much and um graham has a brother named peter peter parker spider-man is his alias that's what he likes to call himself and uh and he's a, a little less severe and this week's episode um kind of covers that the distinctions between the two um, JJ's doing good this week he it's time for the summer tires back in Sweden you may know longtime listeners that we bought him a car or we I bought him a car uh, this last year and um, a little Suzuki little little rally racer to, to get around um, for his aides to be able to drive him around there's people to help him. He needed, he needed wheels. It's a hard time on the bus sometimes, and so um, yeah. And then in Sweden, they've got winter tires with little spikes in them for the winters. That the, that's the law. So May first, you got to switch the tires over. So they switch the tires, and um, yeah, he had a really. He, we posted a video of him. He really enjoyed the watching the the mechanics change out the tires, like the power tools and. Um, it was really really kind of neat. Really kind of neat. Obviously as a dad that's like one of your one of your hopes, right? One of your long-term hopes that he would uh be able to you know, develop an interest in something and um possibly have a, some sort of job. As Lord knows he could uh, lift one of those tires. He's very strong. So like a mechanics assistant or something. I don't know. But uh a father can dream. So, yeah. That's uh <laughs> That's how he's doing. He's doing good. Um, we had a nice call yesterday. I'm planning to go to see him next month. I'm excited. And uh, yeah, that's it. You're up to speed on me. Ground back next week and give us his weekend review. And uh, his experiences with his brother are, are vastly different. Um, we, have a, we both have daily calls, but in his call with his brother, uh, there's more talking on that end. On my end, there's a lot of looking and gesturing but that kind of takes us to this week's um, interview. What we've got this week is, this is one of the, Jill Escher, our Ro- roving reporter, who is also the uh, the president of the National Council on Severe Autism, she is interviewing um, Alicia Halliday, and this is one of our, the second part of our three-part series, and this week we're covering diagnostic labels, which would apply for um for, for, for our situation for me and JJ's and Graham and Peter's because what I'm experiencing and what Graham is experiencing with, uh, with his brother is vastly different. And so uh, I think labeling is important. And um, well, let's listen to the interview and then I'll take my thoughts.
1: Hey, everybody. It is roving reporter Jill Escher here with the second part in a trilogy. Yes, kind of like Star Wars, but not. Our first part of our Alicia Halliday Trilogy um, was about frogs with autism and today our second part in the Alicia Halliday Trilogy is going to be about, drumroll please, diagnostic categories in autism. Very hot topic, very controversial, a lot of cranky people. So Alicia, welcome back.
2: Thank you, I'm thrilled and honored to be a part of this conversation.
1: Well, great, this is such an important topic and it's something, I don't know, I think I hear about from people on a daily basis. (laughs) No, not even joking. Um, That, you know, there's this sense that the autism spectrum has become so broad that it has lost meaning, right? That, you know, you can take Mm -hmm. somebody like my kids, you know, Johnny and Sophie who are nonverbal and with very severe functional limitations and you put them in the same category as you know somebody who is a college professor, right? But who has you know some social and sensory and, and maybe executive functioning issues, and you lump them all together into this one category, and it's like these people have nothing in common, right? So people uh-huh. are, I think, growing increasingly frustrated about you know this lack of meaningful distinction. Alicia, what should we do?
2: Well, I think everybody knows a little bit about the history. There used to be categories. If we all remember, it used to be PDD, NOS, Asperger's, autism. That was also lumped in with some other things. And those categories proved to be meaningless. So maybe Asperger's, PDD, NOS, autism, um, those delineations made no sense. So the DSM said, okay, well then just everybody has autism. That's not making sense either. I mean, that's, that's clear that we, um, that, that, you know, with all the good intentions of the DSM, because they base their decisions on scientific data, it's just not working. And so what we need to do is possibly rethink what the classifications are. Again, the DSM committee actually has good intentions right they had these clinical specifiers and we were supposed to we were supposed to do things like um specify things like iq so that people wouldn't all be lumped in one category but in fact that is what's happening and so i think that there needs to be a little bit more clarification about how some of out either using these classifiers and using them for good reason or coming up with new new groups, because I completely agree. I'm actually on the other side of it, right? So my daughter has an IQ of 122. She's very smart. She's in the lower eighth percentile for things like verbal comprehension, um, uh, visual comprehension. Um, she has intense aggress- aggressive issues. I see so much difference. I see actually more difference between people like your son and and other people who are, um, you know, disabled, profoundly disabled. And I think Sarah kind of falls into that category of disabled, but I don't know what to call her. I wouldn't know, I I, I wouldn't know what the label is, but it is different and it needs to be a different label. Um, So I think what we need to do is go back and create new labels.
1: We, I think we definitely do. Now, I need to interject something very important, that we have some background noise in the form of my daughter, Sophie. <laughs> so listeners, it's totally sort, sort of an autism sound effect. Um, and Sophie's very happy. She's sort of jumping on the couch. So sorry about
2: that um that's fine i think some i i probably have background noise too and that's that's just the reality i I don't even think about it yeah
1: exactly right Um, Right. so there are a few things i just want to for point of clarification you talked about some things with acronyms pdd nos was pervasive developmental disorder not otherwise specified and that was sometimes a label that was used when the clinician really wasn't sure if it was like full clinical autism. Um, and so it kind of became this sort of more moderate, more mild autism, PDDNOS. nos And then another mm-hmm. uh, term you used was the DSM. The DSM is, for those who don't know, is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual um, that is sort of like the Bible of psychiatry. And so like you know all kinds of diagnoses are in the dsm you know anorexia i think hoarding disorder (laughs) you
2: know know, and and it changes over time for good reason i mean year many many decades ago homosexuality used to be listed in the dsm and now we know better it's not a, a mental disorder but thanks to technology there are some, there is a new disorder um, that's actually kind of wiggled in there that has to do with video game addiction. So, you know, as, as society changes, we need to change with it. And I don't have any objections to the DSM being flexible and changing over time and, and, and things being reevaluated is as, as, as um, you know, as time goes on and that as society changes, and I, again, I want to say the people that made the decision to put these different classifications within autism—these, the Aspergers, the pervasive developmental disorder, the autism itself—and there was even something called childhood disintegrative disorder. They, what they saw was that one. What, one group of clinicians was not recording the same exact symptoms as another group of clinicians. And so there was really no consistency. The diagnoses themselves made notes, right? It didn't make sense, like what one person, Asperger's in, in I'm just gonna pick out Missouri, would be an autism in say, Texas. I mean, just I'm just throwing out states and not even getting more specific. But so those had no meaning. So the idea was, okay, well, we'll group everyone together. Um, the original fear that that would, would be, that would change prevalence or change the number of kids who had autism. In fact, it hasn't necessarily done that, but what it's done is create confusion about what, what are the feet, what, you know, are there symptoms of autism? Are there features of autism? Are there both, you know, and-,
1: you and- for a second here. Cause I think there's an important point to be made, which is when I agree that the clinicians were like, hey, people, some of us are using the Asperger's label. Some of us are using the DDNOS label. Some of us are using the autistic disorder label for the same clinical presentation. This cannot continue. We have to come up with something more meaningful. I understand that, but when they revised it, they created autism spectrum disorder. They also created another category that they thought would capture some of the more Asperger's ish cases called social communication disorder, and it turns out in practice, no one's using that, as I understand it, and that everybody's no. sort of under ASD. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: So, social communication disorder was meant to capture, as you mentioned, the individuals with um, with kind of awkward speech or 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 kind of Um, poor social communication skills, but no repetitive behavior, right? So there was no stimming, there was no biting. However, when they also changed the ASD diagnosis to be more inclusive, they also included more types of repetitive behaviors. So someone who has a hypersensitivity to light or to sound or even is sensitive to fluorescent bulbs, that counted as a repetitive behavior and therefore they would be classified as having autism spectrum disorder, not social communication disorder. I know I'm kind of getting into the weeds here, Mm -hmm. but the, the the current classification system isn't really making the, not even the small nuance, it's not making the large nuances, you know, the profound, and I'll use that word and we'll get to it later, the profound differences between people who are substantially impaired and have severe disabilities and very problematic medical problems with those that are kind of the quirky but odd group, right? Qu- what is it? Lorna Wing used it, um, you know, odd, probably smart, probably could live independently or will live independently, requires supports versus those that cannot live independently. And I think the harm in that comes when one group, and it could be on either side, says that another group doesn't need services because they don't need services or they don't need the same amount of help. But I think that's what the harm is, is that someone's saying, well, because I don't need that, nobody else needs that either. And so I think for those reasons, there, um, there needs to be labels. Um, and how those labels are determined, there is is somewhat unclear right now. But and I agree, um, with there, you, right? there definitely need to be labels.
1: Yeah, I mean, what what has happened, and again, it's, I'm not blaming the DSM or the the practitioners, but what has happened in the autism community is that people with you know exceptionally high functioning you know cognitive skills, functional skills, but nevertheless have you know earned the label autism. Sometimes it's self diagnosed, sometimes it's diagnosed by a Professional, um, you know, a lot of these people purport to speak for, right, the whole autism community, which is, of course, absurd. You know, somebody like yes. you know, the college professor has no business, you know, mm-hmm. speaking for my mm-hmm. kids. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, it's become a political issue, I think. And um, I do think it's incumbent on the medical community to respond, right, with appropriate categories because the categories matter not only in terms of this representation issue, but they matter in terms of how we conduct research. They matter in terms of how we conduct early intervention. They matter in terms of you know, medical and other behavioral therapies. Mm-hmm. They matter in terms of how we forecast. Hi, Sophie, thank you, sweetheart. You know, how we forecast um, you know uh, uh, service needs and support needs. There's so many reasons that it matters. It matters in terms of educational placement. And it's just, we're in this kind of absurd sort of purgatory, I would say, autism purgatory, where we don't have the clarity that we need. So Alicia, back to my original question. So what are we going to do?
2: So what are we going to do? I mean, there has been talk about reconvening the DSM committee. Um, I think that that's a wider discussion than just autism, because of course, the DSM changes to the DSM affect a lot of different... Fact, you know, facts, I mean, addiction, depression, um, you know, bi- bipolar, you know, a whole host anxiety. So I think that it's um, incumbent on the autism community, though, to call for some reconsideration of the labels. The DSM process takes a while. So I am not even going to say even if it convened today, any decision would be made in a year. Um, it does take a while, it has to be fit in with, with the whole scheme, but I think, you know, we can, as the autism community, call on, you know, first of all, call on funding agencies to at least, and ASF does this, at least make sure that grants are addressing these differences in their funding proposals, right? So they don't just say with autism that there are descriptors and, you um, groups that are specifically addressed. Exactly. Um, I think advo- I advocacy organizations need to realize that you're not speaking on behalf of everyone, that in fact you're advocating for certain needs for certain people, and that's okay. You shouldn't hide behind that. Certain people have different needs, and, and so there's no, there's no shame in that at all. Um, it's just, we need to you know, continue to acknowledge that that's what's going on.
1: Yeah, and I, I wanna say my biggest gripe is that um, the DSM-5, the current DSM, there's nothing in, in it that is age specific. So if you look at autism spectrum disorder, it applies no matter what the age. And you know, I think that's a huge mistake because the critical error that we addressed earlier in this interview was that clinicians were kind of getting, you know, all these categories confused, right? When they were evaluating their patients. The problem is that that's really true with children. It's a lot less true with adults. So what we should have in the DSM, this is the one thing I'm gonna fight for, is bifurcated ages. So you have young children diagnosis, and then you have older children and adults diagnosis. And these are different things, because when they're children, they kind of can look the same. Right, and we do want to make sure that they have access to whatever services you know might be you know most beneficial. But when they're yeah. older, it's absurd, right? As they go on different trajectories, to keep them in the same in the same group, you know, when one guy is you know hitting himself and still in diapers, right, and the other guy you know has a job as a lawyer, it's 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 so so absurd. So that's my one goal for the next DSM.
2: Um, there's also a lot more movement in terms of, you know, trajectories in childhood, right? So there's longitudinal studies that say that there's actually groupings where kids kind of improve, you know, they, that they have, you know, at two or three, there's, there's a lot of concern, but then they approve. Then there's kids who just stay in their same trajectory. Um, and there's kids that actually show a slow line in their functioning. Um, There's a lot less of that movement as they become adults, right? So there's a lot of movement in between levels of functioning as children. And that could be because of, you know your brain is still developing. Um, Different people respond to different interventions. There may be different groups of people with autism that we need to do a better job at identifying. But, you know, adulthood, there's obviously things that, that, that move people in adulthood, um, the also the the condition of autism is this lifelong disability, right? So it's a it's it's something that's that that actually causes impairment. And if a person is not impaired, then they should, you know, maybe they should rethink the, the, you know think rethink that autism label altogether and come up with a different label. And people are always sending me their ideas about what that label should be. So this is not coming from me, this is from the community who people tell me, you shouldn't call it all autism, you should call it this, or you should call it this, or you should call it this, because this is what, how I feel. I agree with that. If, if the term autism doesn't fit them, there needs to be a new term. And that yeah. goes you know, Absolutely. across the board.
1: I mean, it should be, there should be no doubt that if you, know, you have autism, you have a substantial impairment, right? In social communication and repetitive behaviors if you're if you don't have that substantial impairment you're right it should be something else it used to be called Asperger's we can call it whatever we want but um, I think we're going to have to wrap it up we're at our time limit for part two of our Alicia Halliday trilogy so I'm going to sign off and um, and then we will be back with part three thanks so much Alicia thank you
2: so much this was a pleasure
0: well that's it. That's the interview. I thought Jill uh did a great job as always. Uh thank you so much. Uh thank you so much for coming on, Alicia. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, I think um you know when the DSM got rid of Asperger's, as as many of you know, um, we talked about it, and I, I don't have an issue with that per se, but I do feel like the labeling is important and there is a clear distinction between what JJ's experiencing and what you know, some famous CEO of a tech company who might be on the spectrum is experiencing. So, and Jill said it. You know, if if he's soiling himself and can't he's nonverbal as an adult, that's not the same experience as a college professor, which is exactly right. Uh, so I feel like the labeling is important and and uh, necessary. So I hope that the work continues, and I know it is, but I, I feel like it's an important distinction to make to talk about these things. Otherwise, we're just saying the same thing but they mean different things and we're basically separated by a common language and that's uh, not helpful to anybody you probably, guys could probably tell I'm under the weather I've had a really bad cold for a while <laughs> and uh, I'm back in New York but I am I'm on empty uh, but I'm happy to do this podcast love this podcast, I love you guys thank you so much for tuning in as always you can check me out on social media Is on all your social social media stations i will be in oklahoma city at the looney bin i think it's the sixth through the the, the 9th of, of may uh, uh you can catch me there at the um sorry that's not right uh the 12th through the 15th of may sorry it's been a long week and um i'll be uh it'll be, it'll be great i'm excited to, to, to get out to oklahoma city you can check out graham at uh, instagram k Uh, on his Instagram and uh, he's got tour dates coming up with Nate Borgazzi, very funny comic Uh, check him out if you have a second, as always we really appreciate it if you could take a second and review the podcast anywhere you listen to this iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean whatever, just smash that five stars and hey, I like these guys that really helps us to spread the word so more people listen alright, that's it, I hope you guys have a great week you can do it (laughs)